Uh, hey guys, welcome to um, Rikindi. So it's essentially talking about a holistic approach to life. Um, and today we have Monica with us and she's going to be speaking about planning and design for our urban environment to enable musical creativity and mental well-being. Welcome, Monica. Thank you very much, Alexa. Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. So Monica, tell me a little bit um, about yourself and, um, you know, your history and, and what um, got you really interested in this topic and, um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm currently 37 years old. I'm a mum to three uh, kids. So they're Lachlan, 10, Lauren, 8, 10, Barden, 6 years old. Um, I've just finished my postgraduate program, um, Masters of Urban and Environmental Planning through Griffith University. Um, my undergraduate degree was in uh, psychology, but also commerce or international business. Um, so, you know, when I was doing my uh, master's program, you know, there was a missing element in there. There was um, not much discussion or focus on you know, um, urban planning for, um, I guess, you know, mental health and well-being. So I became very intrigued, like, you know, there must be a connection somewhere. So I did a bit of, you know, personal exploration and I came across an um, organization called the Center for Urban Design uh, for Mental Health. And that was like, yep, this is, it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, you know, cracked into, you know, the organization I want to, um, I guess, you know, explore with and so I yeah connected with the director and joined as a research associate um, at the beginning of this year and um, look it's only um, I guess you know there's not much you know uh, strong you know good research in this field connecting you know you know what is it in our urban environments that you know um, I guess, you know, negatively impact our mental health and well-being, but also um, what things can we do or design in um, that could, you know, possibly positively promote and support our mental health and well-being. Mm. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, activating or creating green spaces and, you know, blue spaces, but, you know, what does that actually mean? Um, is an artificial official, you know, turf patch, you know, considered a green space. Um, so these are the questions, uh, you know, I guess, you know, today's urban planners really need to explore in detail um, and, uh, yeah, get the fundamentals right, you know, especially, you know, we're now talking about sustainability and climate change, um, having, you know, um, natural, you know, um, connected, you know, green corridors where, you know, humans can um, be active, you know, physically, you know, explore their environment as opposed to just, you know, building, you know, more and more, I guess, you know, contiguous and you know, monotonous concrete jungles. Mm, mm. Um, you know, you know, what, what, what will this do to our, you know, our senses, you know, our, our sense of, you know, our mental health, our sense of, you know, well-being. Mm. Oh, no, that's that's so well put. Um, absolutely brilliant, because I think it's a majority of um, first world countries, uh, particularly America, spend about 90 percent of their time indoors, which is a huge amount of time. And if you're spending that amount of time in um, a place that's disconnected from nature, you can see how the rise of depression and isolation um, is such a prominent issue 
you know, and particularly with lockdown Absolutely. that we're facing at the moment, people are stuck indoors, like let's say an apartment where they have zero access to, to the outside world. And, um, you know, depression has gone through the roof. So um, how would, what would you define as like basic um, things that, um, you know, uh, designers or um, companies or uh, society should start implementing? What would you yeah, yeah, of course. Um, unfortunately, we've um, gone down the trajectory of designing a very car-centric environment. So, um, I mean, if you just look at the way, say, you know, we live in Brisbane, mm. how Brisbane design, or even the rest of southeast Queensland, um, most of the, say, open spaces is dominated by um, uh, facilities for cars, whether it be roads or car parks um, and there's actually very minimal fac facilities designed for you know active lifestyles mm. so um, even say you know the footpaths around us mm. um, you know with increasing use of you know e-mobility devices like you know e-scooters and and so forth the current you know narrow um, walkable footpath you know doesn't you know enable us to you know use these other alternative mobility devices say you know with non-car mm, um, yeah. non-car related but you know say you know even yes yeah, so I've seen you know people just you know riding on their e-scooters down the road for example because you know it's not you know the the footpaths are not you know suited to you know doing their the speeds they're doing you know when mm. they're competing with say you know a human pedestrian for example mm. yeah so um really the reality is you know we we need i guess you know a whole of design approach um mm. you know if we wanted to uh increase the density um because that's i guess you know the the trend like we we're likely to see an increase in density increase in apartments mm. um how can we also like reduce the amount of um i guess space dedicated to for cars mm. and increase the amount of space dedicated to you know pedestrians cyclists mm. and you know scooter riders or even you know um other you know roller roller sports so mm. Mm. no that's very very true and i think um also with the amount of risk um or the amount of uh, bicyclists that have been killed by motor car accidents um, because they don't have that access. Um, and so people, if you were motivated to cycle to work, you know, if there was a beautiful path there, um, people would be more inclined to do that. And we know that uh, carbon dioxide is a huge issue at the moment um, with climate change mm -hmm. and so on. So trying to decrease the amount of people driving to work because you usually have, you know, one person per car or something. Um, yes. which not only causes congestion, it's um, toxic for the environment. So I completely agree with you. That would be so great to encourage people to be a lot more active, which I'm sure obviously, as you know, the more active you are, it helps boost um, your endorphins and your general well-being for both your physical and your uh, mental state. So, you know, that's that once again, that whole holistic approach where you're not just one, you are everything, your mind and your body truly is one. And so when you're treating your body really well through active exercise, being outdoors, um, your mind will start to um, not become as stressed or worried or um, concerned. Exactly, yeah. And like you say, you know, we have a highly sedentary population. Um, unfortunately, in Queensland, one in four kids are mm -hmm. obese. Um, and 
you know, that's a huge uh, burden on, say, our public health system. Mm -hmm. And plus, uh, we have alarmingly increased, um, well, increasing rates of, you know, um, poor mental health in um, young people. Mm. you know um that that's highly concerned you know i'm i'm actively thinking about this but you know also because i've studied you know psychology and i'm mm. you know um highly aware how you know our you know um how you know it's so important for kids to um you know be outdoors and mm. enjoy their you know um you know enjoy i guess you know highly active active and physical lifestyles but mm. you know our the the way our urban environments are designed mm. um doesn't enable them to do that so mm. uh yeah unfortunately you know we're we're seeing more and more kids you know, live that sedentary lifestyle mm. you know indoors um uh screen time mm. um you know is uh it's gone it's going unchecked yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think also um in regards to children i read a, a paper a little while ago and was talking about adhd and um you know how you can there's actually been um tests done that can show the more uh nature a child is exposed to it can actually reduce the adhd um and uh you know that adhd can sometimes be an onset from um, you know, depression or trauma or something that they've experienced. And if you're in a really relaxing environment, um, it can actually lessen that burden rather than um, being in a classroom that is, you know, there's no greenery, there's um, no, well, maybe there's some natural light, but sometimes there actually isn't, you know, it's completely, completely shut off. And you're sitting in this desk for, for eight hours. Mm. Um, you can see how some kids would just want to, you know, <laughs> go and run around. Oh, or, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's not a natural environment for children. Um, mm. You know the mm. little classrooms um, where they have to sit still, and mm. you know it's um, you know seeing. Well, you know we've all been kids before. We know how active and <laughs> accelerated we can get. You know, and and uh, you know movement. I guess you know um, um, you know develops our physical strength. Mm you know, and, and fitness and that kind of like, you know, sets up our uh, foundation for the rest of our, um, you know, yeah. the, the progress towards, you know, adulthood, but also, you know, old age. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we, yeah, we, we want to start strong and then, you know, finish strong as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's quite phenomenal that there's a big movement um, towards urban planning uh, to be more integrated with nature. Have you seen quite a lot of that shift recently or? Yeah, well, there's a, you know, lots of advocacy groups, um, you know, wanting to integrate more and more, I guess, you know, um, you know, nature, um, you know, increase awareness of, you know, biodiversity. Um, and I, I, I guess, you know, Griffith University is an out, outstanding example, you know, they can find you know the environmental um, planning field with urban planning I think it's the only university that has um, you know actually done that mm. but also understanding um, how you know I guess you know biodiversity has is being impacted by climate change mm. I mean that that connection is very strong mm. um, yeah but like you say um, increasingly you know um, 
architects, for example, um, they're, they're looking at designs uh, with buildings, um, you know, passive uh, energy use or energy consumption, mm. um, recycling water, like, you know, you have rainwater harvesting systems, you know, installed at home, um, natural, you know, heating and shading, you know, these kind of things are, I guess, you know, a, a very holistic, you know, system space, you know, approach to um, urban or, you know, human habitat design. Um, but we're not, we're still kind of only touching, you know, the surface, you know, there's not very strong, I guess, you know, policy shifts that, you know, we do need to see from, you know, the state government, for example, or even, you know, federal government to really actively integrate these um, design elements, um, you know, so therefore, you know, we're still seeing, you know, new houses or new, you know, estates being just being built like, you know, the way they have been in the last, you know, 10 years or so. There's, yeah, there's still fundamentally um, still lacking a, a true shift towards that uh, more you know nature and you know climate resilient uh, urban design mm. so when you're looking at policies that you would like to uh, change would you be looking at what what examples would you give um, for those policies that you'd like to see on both a state and a federal level yeah um I think the first uh, one of all would be to really think about, um, you know, how, how we use our water, you know, how, how does a community value water? Because, um, you know, um, Southeast Queensland, you know, we're affected by uh, drought, mm. you know, that's, that's something that uh, I guess, you know, the, the community um, needs to think sensibly and more smart about, you know, how, how do we store water, you know, um, for you know farming or mm. um, you know washing and, and so forth and um, you know we I think you know there are you know small projects um, that they're trying to pilot and then scale up for example um, urban farms um, there's a couple of urban farms you know around Brisbane um, and there's also you know um, you know ways to look at you know you know, recycling more, you know, and, you know, composting, you know, waste and so forth. But these are, these are very small scale, um, uh, I guess, you know, shifts in like human, like consumer behavior, mm. but fundamentally we still need to see that bigger shift, like say, you know, in the construction industry, looking at the way they use, um, you know, raw materials, um, are, are these materials that we can actually recycle, you know, later on when the building has, you know, passed its, you know, use by date, say, you know, the Brisbane, you know, Olympics will be coming up in uh, 2036. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, you know, we're pulling down or retrofitting or what like uh, rebuilding the Gabba stadium. You know, it's, yeah. it's a huge infrastructure piece, you know, how much of that um, material will be recycled yeah. and, um, so if we did build a new stadium, um, you know, what, what is the, um, the use life of that piece of infrastructure? And mm -hmm. down, the, down the track, will there be opportunities to, you know, recycle any of that, um, 
any of that, you know, all the bits and pieces, the metal, mm. the concrete and so forth that, that went into that construction. Mm. Um, and considering so much water as well will mm. be used, you know, um, throughout that construction process, yeah. you know, are, are we sent like, you know, yes, uh, I guess, you know, designing it in such a way that we're, you know, being water water sensitive mm, mm, that's so true so, yeah a, a lot of things to um consider. consider and think about so at the moment with the building that's currently been going on uh what do they do with all of that excess waste so once they've done what do they do with all the metal and so on after yeah um personally i don't know <laughs> but yeah like if i had to take a stab you know it probably just goes to the waste dump or mm. you know i think you know um before COVID, Australia was actually shipping a lot of its waste um, overseas mm-hmm. to, um, you know, less developed countries. So I think I saw an article uh, on ABC um, News Online very recently, you know, a lot of our, um, you know, fast fashion or old clothes, mm-hmm. they're being shipped to um, um, Ghana in Africa. And, you know, um, there's a uh, container loads like shipping container loads of clothing that goes there so instead of you know natural you know um you know hills Mm. or terrains they have hills and mountains of you know old unwanted um clothing pieces Mm. Mm. um so and that's quite a major issue um for our environment as well because uh, i think the clothing industry the fast clothing industry is uh, one another one of those major um issues that is destroying our environment absolutely just trashing it and not to mention the amount of slave labor that's potentially gone into that fast fashion i mean i think it's like the um mm. one of the top 10 wealthiest men in the world who uh, started zara um the reason zara was so right. successful was because he kept wanting uh, new things in so it was the fastest turnover but the clothes were made very cheap from third world countries um for minimum wage but yet you know, the West is consuming it so quickly and then churning it out again. Um, and it's, it's actually quite sad. So it's really that integration and that awareness to where all of these products are going, where all of these um, natural resources are going. Um, so that's phenomenal that they're integrating that in with urban design and um, looking at how you can actually be a lot more efficient in what you're building. So with, Absolutely, with yes. water consumption, how would you um, see a way to um, minimize that or use that more efficiently? Because I did read something where they've recently created a building design um, where they've taken old wastewater that can actually be um, filtered through algae, um, uh, different types of plants, and I think even snails, which is interesting. So no chemicals have gone into that water, which is maybe another issue you might know a bit about is um, the chemicals that are in a lot of the water that we consume in the city, um, you know, in, in order to try and filtrate it and, and clean it, um, there's a lot of toxins that go in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of thought about, you know, how do we, I guess, you know, integrate in, you know, these kind of technologies, um, whether it be, you know, filtration technologies, as you say, mm-hmm. but also um, water harvesting um, technology. So especially on site and near site. So um, so essentially, you know, we have, you know, larger surface areas, you know, on say, you know, big um, industrial warehouses, for example, mm-hmm. you know, that roof space, you know, like the ones you see on top of Bunnings, for example, mm-hmm. um, is so huge. You can, you know, um, 
definitely be used to harvest a lot of um, rainwater, which then could be, you know, recycled or, or reused for, you know, um, you know, local landscaping or, or maybe in a local, um, you know, rainwater storage uh, um, network then, mm. you know, say, you know, if um, I think there's some off-site communities being developed around that concept as well, mm. um, which, you know, which I, I think it, could be a very you know sustainable solution um aside from you know getting people to really think hard about you know where water come where where your tap water comes from mm -hmm. um but how can we actually you know um, recycle and, and reuse that water mm -hmm. um so you know even you know within within the home like I think, you know, we kind of take it for granted a little bit <laughs> that we can just turn on the tap, flush the toilet, yeah. um, you know, goodbye, <laughs> you know, to to all of that wastewater. But, um, you know, maybe um, if I guess, you know, people start considering, okay, you know, um, you know, there, there must be a, say, you know, better way to um, use that water. Yeah. Maybe you can use it to, you know, um, to grow, you know, our own, like, you know, um, vegetables or you know fruits you know um, as opposed to having to rely um, heavily on you know supermarket um, mm. produce mm. Um, yeah th those are the kind of like I guess little changes which may seem like you know small small impacts mm. but if it you know if it if the community kind of like kind of switched over yeah if the community embraces like you know these um ideas I think you know it 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 can create, I guess, a more balanced, you know, approach to how we, how we live, and um, you know, um, you know, I, I believe we can have a have a high quality lifestyle. So, yeah. in, if you're in the city, right, um, how would you uh, foresee people growing vegetables in a confined space? How is that possible? <laughs> Well, first of all, we, we need the space to do it. Yeah. So, what we need is, um, you know. I guess, you know, local and state government support to, you know, allocate um, community spaces for, mm. you know, say urban farms. And, um, you know, we, we have only a, a couple. We, we're running out of, you know, quality, you know, um, fertile spaces where, mm. where we can do it. You know, there's talk about, you know, rooftop um, gardens and, and so forth. But to feed a rapidly growing population, yeah. you know, um, you know, we, we need, you know, more. We need more space. We need dedicated spaces where, where we can actually do that. Mm. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I have a backyard. You know, I grow a couple of different things. I'm, I'm not a very um, – I'm a – I'm a green thumb under development. <laughs> so I'm learning through uh, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, yeah. But um, I've been reading up on permaculture and so forth. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're great, you know, principles, you know. Yeah. Um, so if we, if we learn how to, uh, I guess, you know, um, you know, improve and condition our soils, you know, in our, yeah. in our backyard, yeah. Um, or even in like you know nearby um, nature verge strips mm. and then use those some um, you know to use things that we usually buy from the supermarkets you mm. know that can help alleviate um, a lot of I guess the um, um, the 
con this uh, unsustainable con consumption pattern that you know we we tend to kind of like you know just just do just uh embrace or you know it's kind of like a mindset shift mm -hmm. so a hundred percent um going back to a little bit of that yeah yeah well actually yeah so it it just means that yeah sorry no i was just saying um i've actually recently well not go. recently but maybe uh three months ago um move or five months ago now um moved to a few um just out further away from the city and um you know we've started growing on vegetables and we live completely off grid so um having to set up solar having to set up the water systems that you're talking about it's so eye-opening because whenever you know you turn on the light like you were saying previously you just expect electricity to come on whereas in this case you're like okay you know let's set up the solar let's work with the environment um same thing with water we're so mindful now of how you've got to take a, a very quick shower because you, you're mindful of how fast that water goes or flushing the toilet has a huge amount of um takes a huge amount of water each time um and if you're not aware of that mm. uh, like you mentioned earlier you can be doing that excessively you know i've seen people leave the tap on in the in the in the kitchen and and really pay no attention to that water literally just going down the drain um whereas when you are catching your own water uh, using that own water you are so aware of where that goes um so yeah. i completely completely agree that uh, a way to change is awareness but i also really agree with what you were saying before is looking at government intervention in the sense that um, if it becomes, it's easier for a developer to develop a property um, that, that they don't need to get designed. So you have, an, you have a free design or whatever it is and you copy and paste it. Um, and so people are stuck in these copy paste buildings that are not designed to be integrated with nature. They're not designed for anything, but they're cheap. So it benefits um, these uh, developers because they make a lot of money out of it. Whereas if there was mm -hmm. something to say, hey guys, look, you need to actually make a shift and, and start to alter that. So it's almost like we need a bottom, uh, bottom up and a top down approach. The top down from the government saying, hey guys, you know, you need to start doing this. And then from a, a bottom up approach saying, okay, individuals, you need to start being aware of, of, of how you're utilizing your stuff. You know, are you growing vegetables? Uh, like you mentioned before about that, um, the supply chain is actually quite weak, you know, from getting stuff from the farms to Coles and Woolworths, um, if, if one of those things goes wrong, you know, we may be in a little bit of trouble and because we only rely on a select few dominating companies rather than diversifying. And when you have these dominating companies taking over, they put pressure on farmers. So these poor farmers are sitting there, you know, not having um, enough resources, getting pressured to reduce their price um, and they don't have any say in it. They don't have any nothing. So the more that you diversify, um, the more I think you're giving power back to the farmers and you're giving power back to the people and uh, not just taking profits. Yes, yes. And um, I, I believe that, you know, yeah, like you say, diversifying that mix, you know, given, mm. giving, um, you know, ourselves, you know, more choice. Mm. Um, and like you say, you know, um, that uh, logistics change, you know, if we, if we only buy from um, supermarkets but you know occasionally there might be a produce shortfall because of some you know disease you know on the particular produce or you know bad weather or something you know your your price 
of produce, like bucks a kilo for your tomatoes, for example. Um, whereas, you know, say, you know, it, you know, usually you might be only paying, um, you know, say five dollars. Mm. Um, you know, that, that's a very steep. You know, um, you know, it, it hurts consumers. You know, most definitely. And um, you know, when we come back, you know, go back and talk about you know young kids and you know, nutrition. You know, is so important for them. a lot of kids. Um, you know, they have a lot of access to. Um, you know, non-fresh, convenient fast foods mm. um, and very limited access to, you know, healthy, um, um, you know, fresh, nutritious, like, you know, whole foods, like, you know, mm. your, you know, fruits and vegetables and so forth. Um, so, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, however we're, you know, um, like create or designing the um, supply chain of our foods, also, you know, uh, impacts directly on, you know, our our young people or mm. kids, like, you know, nutrition, um, diets, you know, health and well-being. So, and, and we know, like, you, you, you've studied psychology and I, you know, likewise myself, you know, um, it's all that nutrition, nutritious foods mm. that, you know, feeds our, you know, our brains as mm. well. So, 100%. you know, to, to develop, you know, healthy, you know, um, you know, brains as opposed to yeah yeah, absolutely absolutely. yeah and and looking at happiness (laughs) as once again a holistic approach where you know not one thing really creates happiness it's having a good um having good meals that are um, enhancing cognitive function it's being in an environment that is part of nature not disconnected from nature you know it's being in a family environment that's supportive relaxed calm not so stressed and um you know a high amount of pressure it's um, combining and, and having good social um, social interactions, you know, going back to urban design, having cities built that encourage social interaction through multiple mixed use space, you know, so kids are not only being active outside, they're being active outside with other children. So it's really incorporating all these different elements together to work with nature, work with each other, instead of if separating, you know, and isolating and being Technology is amazing. Technology is absolutely amazing. But when you are spending 90% of the time indoors glued to something, I don't think that that, not that I don't think there's data that backs that up, but that's not actually healthy. Um, And some people can even develop uh, physical symptoms, you know, and and start to develop back pain or something because they're so stressed and their body doesn't know how to express it. So they will, they don't know how to, so they expressing it physically. And um, you can see that so much and stress, I mean, stress Mm. kills people. It's been known to have so many um, chronic stress over a prolonged period of time causes so many diseases. You know, you may have underlining um, health issues, but they will come, they'll, they'll be activated. They'll come to the forefront because you are crying out for help because it's unnatural. And it's um, your body is so amazing Mm. at dealing with things um, when you are a healthy, happy human. And people just reject that they would rather, mm. you know, diagnose and, and consume something, consume even fast clothing, consume, 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 rather than um, coming back to basics, putting your hands in soil. I mean, the research mm. that backs up walking barefoot or just being in soil, you know, it's that, that chemical reaction is, is bringing you back to the fundamentals, which is so crucial. Mm. Yeah, there's... Um... Yeah, going back to, you know, 
the urban planners and designers thinking about um, you know that connection to nature. Mm. You know, there's also you know been some you know research done about you know that um, notion of biophilia, mm. so you know, the human um, need, the our, our fundamental need to be in touch or being connection you know mm. with our you know natural environments and all of its elements mm. so um uh yeah so i mean i i support um you know i've uh, i've visited a couple of different cities you know i I, uh, I was born and I, you know, spent the first five years of my life in Taipei, you know, mm. hi- highly urbanized um, city. Um, but then I've also traveled, traveled and visited Hong Kong. And mm. while well, there's a very, very limited um, nature there and, um, you know, I haven't, you know, checked out any studies, but, you know, myopia is uh, mm. quite a big um, um I guess, uh, you know, tends to increase, you know, with um, with uh, those kind of urban environments. Mm. Um, so you see a lot of, um, you know, young kids with, you know, glasses. And I wonder if that's to do with, you know, um, not being able to, um, you know, view, you know, um, longer distance. Mm. Because you're, you're viewing more, more the distances, you're, you're to looking at, um, you know, um, big horizons or you know mountainscapes or landscapes so mm. Mm. you know that's um you know th- those kind of things you know interest me I guess mm. Mm. and that's phenomenal yeah. because um, I think particularly because there's almost been a shift where you know as uh, we started to develop more and more technology it was just like we didn't really think about this integration and we kind of just cut it off you know, uh, thinking humans aren't animals. We're, we're part of, we're part of earth. You know, we were born, we're not, we are still part of this whole ecosystem. We're not separate from it. And so the more awareness people bring to that, the more awareness you bring into yourself and the more um, you're, you're calming down and connecting with nature and um, being a part of that. So, and definitely, I think um, a lot of the um, big cities like um, Hong Kong or, um, new york even they have these tiny little alleyways which just absolutely stink you know there's there's concrete everywhere you know concrete is so bad for the environment you know and so you would just be walking there with not an inch of of plant life or anything there's just sewage and you know that could be altered if people and um if if you started to just maybe plant some some flowers along there you know or or different types of vegetation along the sidewalks that would not only improve mental well-being um you know that would improve uh, the amount of oxygen that we experience during those times it would change the smells and you know alter the sewage if you had to start installing a lot of more natural things like the um algae and bacteria into a lot of these sewage systems it could actually alter that entire city and that entire landscape Yeah, no, I, I strongly agree with that. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the urban landscaping we see, uh, um, you know, they use a lot of, uh, you know, herbicides to mm. manage and control the, the weeds. Mm. Um, you know, otherwise you wouldn't have like a, a perfect nature strip um, that you see, you know, mm. um, you know, say, you know, in the Roma Street parklands or, or mm. even South Bank, you know, the mm. I, 
like I'm not sure how they you know work out what their um their program but uh, my my understanding is that they use quite you know a lot of uh yeah herbicides you know just to mm. make the lawns look you know fresh and nice and healthy so yeah wow, wow. and <laughs> yeah even if that integration between um I was just thinking you know the country versus the city a lot of the time this um disconnection also affects the country people because even though they, they're far and they've su- supply a lot of the foods to the city um and i understand this is probably backtracking a little bit but you know they're suffering because they're being pressured by large corporations um and you know if there's not only an integration between um city and how we are becoming a lot more natural and integrating that nature there's a lot more interaction between um large uh, farmland so at the moment one of the issues that they're struggling with is a lot of people are moving to the city for work or because they want to live, you know, a high, cool city lifestyle. So um, that there's entire countries which have so much space. You know, you 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 minimize the space in the city, but out in the country, there's heaps of land that is um, needing people to actually migrate there. There's towns that are atrophying. Um, whereas if there's that awareness to being part of nature, there can almost be a shift of people wanting to move further away from the city. You know, like myself, wanting to be more integrated with nature, and then providing. Um, support and um, financial aid because you're spending money obviously in those cities um, you're saving that entire landscape so it's that shift of um, you know with the internet now people can actually um, move out there you know they don't have to be confined Mm. to the cityscape anymore COVID's actually one of the benefits has shown us that that's possible you know it's possible to go and live live further out and you know have a vegetable garden and uh, live like that yeah, a lot of people are the the whole mindset has shifted or you know, people I think are well, I think, you know, even you know, CEOs from, you know, big companies they're already um setting up their workforces to be more and more um flexible. Mm. Um, you know, just uh, enabling uh, you know, work from home or um, removing the commutes. Um, I I know that um, you know some companies actually have quite a. Um, I guess you know they, they want to promote or support you know sustainability in the mm-hmm. United Nations, like sustainability development goals. You know, towards mm-hmm. you know reducing um, you know carbon emissions and so mm-hmm. forth. So, and they know that you know if most of their employees are commuting to and from work, that you know obviously um you know produces you know the the carbon emissions if most mm. of them also are traveling by say you know car mm. um mm. but working from home is a a positive shift i think that's kind of really emanated from this uh long-term um you know pandemic we have you know through mm. covid then and, mm. and uh yeah we you know i find ourselves in very interesting times where mm. we're embracing um you know, like technologies like, you know, um, online meetings, virtual meetings, like what mm. we, we are doing now. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, it works, it, it functions well. And um, um, I think, you know, more people are, you know, finding the benefits, you mm. know, of, um, you know, having a little bit more time um, to slow down a little bit, mm. um, to maybe, you know, you know, prepare a, a, a decent meal for themselves as opposed to just, you know, you know, throwing in the cereal into a bowl and like, you know, quickly, uh, you know, um, yeah, 
like you know stalling it down before they have to yeah yeah and that's yeah, so bad to um, wherever they need to and that's just so bad for your digestion so bad I mean that's another topic on its own but you know sitting down and being mindful of what you're eating you know coming back and, and taking a deep breath that takes you in a state of rest and digest rather than fight and flight and so you can sit with your family you know have breakfast have something healthy um sit digest maybe do some breathing or uh, some stretching and then come into your, your office space and begin to do your daily work. Um, that, that would be so beneficial. And that alleviates you being stuck in traffic for let's say a half an hour. If you're in the city, some people, their average commute is about an hour and a half to work. So you're sitting in this teeny car that's producing a bunch of carbon dioxide, angry, you know, frustrated in traffic, arrive at work. <laughs> you could be late. So you're all frantic. Like you said, you've, you've shoveled down food that barely has digested. It's, it's go, 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 go. And then you, you rush into work and you have to recalm yourself in order to actually focus properly. So alleviate, mm. alleviating that entire thing would save you time, um, but be beneficial for the environment and be better for your health. I mean, it just seems like a win, win, win. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, um, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. see, um, you know, how, how it all uh, evolves. Yes, yes, no, exactly. Well, um, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure, um, you know, having you on today and um, really discussing these things. Um, so, yeah, and if people want to find you or, you know, um, look at any of the papers that you've written, is there any way that they can uh, contact you or? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they can definitely reach me um, via email. So yeah. um, email, my email is mwtseng1 at gmail.com. Um, I'm happy, you know, to for people to contact me with any inquiries or anything they heard interesting they want to, you know, know more about or even the um, Centre for Urban Design Mental Health. Um, yeah. You know, I could recommend a couple of good links or, you know, books they could, you know, um, start reading or adding yeah. to their reading list. Um, but, uh, yeah. And any main key takeaways that you could um, provide for people who are listening and they would like to incorporate more, um, you know, natural things in their life in order to improve their mental health? Yeah, um, I think definitely it would be, you know, getting out into nature, um, yeah, connecting, you know, breathing fresh air. <laughs> you know, what What else could you do? Um, um, yeah, visit... Um, you know the you know one of our nature trails or you know bush um uh there's nature spaces you know dotted around you know brisbane like tui forest um nathan um you know up in brookfield and so forth just um you know those spaces are where i think you know um it builds in tranquility and that tranquility i believe um helps build that natural resilience you know mm. that natural um immunity that you mm. know we all need yeah mm. to get through our day to day <laughs> yep oh brilliant brilliant no well thank you so much and um yeah we'll stay tuned awesome you're very welcome alexa thank you for having me bye